0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the broadcast. After the Turkish Grand Prix, uh, I'm here again with my, my mate and my, my twin, James. I'm going to dive Hello. dive straight in. Um, we'll first talk about the race, um, and then we want to qualify and some other news. So, the, I mean, the most standout film from the race was Valtteri Bottas's fairly dominant win. Um, it's a big change, really, because particularly the last year in the Turkish Grand Prix, he had a hollow race, finished out some the is, top ten yeah. spinners in four or five times. So, what made the difference? Why was he so much better this year?
1: I don't know, really. I mean, I'd say his teammate like having an engine penalty probably helped quite a bit. And is the car, the Mercedes seemingly being so much quicker this weekend than the Red Bull, also helped a bit. But he has been a lot since. He they announced the Alpha deal, so you could say it's a psychological thing. You know, the the assurance of having a multi-year contract. It's I think he doesn't multi-year contract at Alpha having not had one Mercedes, it's giving him new, new confidence. Um, yeah, I mean that that could well be why he was so much quicker. Um, hmm.
0: yeah, and I think also the track was a lot um more uh. Less slippery than it was last year. There was a lot more grip, even when it was raining even harder. There was a lot more grip. Yeah, that's true. It yes. was suited to Bottas because he doesn't often do very well in unusual conditions in the Mercedes. He's much more reliable in the dry conditions in a more normal, ordinary race. Uh, I, I do think, as you say, like there's been a noticeable difference since he the Alpha move was announced. I think mean, that was just before Italy, and since then, I think there's quo around that. If the championship was just since Italy, he would be leading it. Um And I suppose it's like any elite sportsman, a bit of confidence can, sit, can lead their performance to rise no end. Um, but it is strange that he suddenly has become a, a good driver, or at least in the last few races has become the driver Mercedes need and perhaps may have kept him if he drove like this.
1: Well, as you say that, but I've also seen that stat going around everywhere that Bottas has outperformed Hamilton and Sappers since Monza. But then, if you think about it, I think he's got 15 more points in Hamilton or something over those three races. But in those three races, Hamilton has had a DNF and a 10-place grid drop, and he's still only got 15 more points in him. You know, you think about it in Monza, yeah, sure, he did come back from last on the, well, really, not last, but back of the grid. In fact, he might have been last, car, but he didn't win the race, even though he had a much faster card than the McLaren's in front of him. You know, yeah. um in Russia. In Russia, he was well out of the points for most of the race. He only he ends up P5. So I think the narrative about Bottas' resurrection is a bit of classic. In some, in, to some extent, it's classic short memories. Uh, thinking, yeah. When in reality, it's not that impressive to have got 15 more points in your teammate who's had an engine drop. To be fair, Bottas had an engine drop at the same time, but, was a larger, and and but who's had fair- the DNF.
0: And to be fair, he had one in Italy, as you say, and Mercedes gave him one in Russia, they say, to protect the car. That's true. But also that was because Verstappen had one in Russia, and they thought, some say, if we put uh, Bottas 10 places back just in front of Verstappen, he, we can hold him up. Um, so even, uh, your argument stands, but even if you consider the two penalties in the last three races, he still is League of the championship since then. Which is impressive. And he was the quickest all weekend in Italy. Um that's true. He may not have been decisively in Russia, but he was there or thereabouts in Turkey, got the win as a result. Um, so yeah, it, it's still impressive, regardless of how it happened, I think. So um, moving on to the other Mercedes car, I think other than maybe Bottas, the biggest talking point was the strategy by Mercedes. So in short, yes. most of the um Ha- cars around Hamilton near the front pitted about halfway through the race and did a one-stop one stop onto fresh interns, which meant they could get through because that was looking back the most safe option. Mm. Mercedes didn't do that because when pressure to do that, or they suggested Hamilton to do that, he declined. And then it came to be more critical, and then Hamilton did pit about seven or eight laps to the end, which meant he lost positions and ultimately finished fifth. And um, when he was in third, so the main question was: was it a mistake, or what was the better strategy?
1: Well, I think it was a mistake. They pitted too late. But most people, well, not most people, but some people have said that the mistake was the, the, the Mercedes not listening to Hamilton, i.e., they should have pitted, not should not have pitted. But I think the mistake was they should not have listened to Hamilton. The problem was, you, you know, when the Bono said box box, and Lewis came on the radio and said no, basically. And then Bono said, Yeah, all right. Um, That was the problem. They should have, they should have, I mean, the reason they won in Turkey was because the team just ordered Hamilton to do something. They should have just ordered him to come into the pits with whatever it was, 10, 15 laps to go. He'd have gone through the graining stage with a big enough gap to Gasly and I can't remember who was the McLaren behind him, that he would have then come through the graining stage and probably been able to chase back up to Leclerc and fourth. But because they didn't pit, then they just were in no man's land. Pitted too late to get past the graining stage and have enough pace to overtake people. And well, they pitted so that they lost the advantage they would have had to hand. So that was all I thought the mistake was. They should have just been asserted and said, You're coming in, um, you know, mm. in the same way they were yeah. in Turkey.
0: Yes, I agree. And of course, the risk was if they didn't pit, if they decided we're in P3, we're going to try to stick it out, eight laps to go, we can trust Hamilton's ability even if hamilton is the goat he if the tires fell away completely the tires would have fallen away off and obviously did manage to do the entire race on one set of tires but he lost an incredible amount of time in the final ten laps doing so and given the conditions they may have been slightly better than turkey last year but they were still treacherous and even the best of drivers can suffer a mistake on dead tires
1: and if you saw Ocon's tyres by the end, they looked absolutely yeah. terrible. They probably would have would have gone in not very long. You know, it was blown. Yes. Yeah. And then Lewis would not have been. very... I mean, that's the thing. If if they if the lap had, if the race had been a lap longer, and Hamilton's tyres are you know, and he'd not pitted and his tyres had blown, well, he would have been complaining at the team for not getting to, to come in sort of thing. So, mm. I mean, every driver does it, but I I personally don't think you can blame the team for the driver. Refusing the strategy call, The strategists decide the strategy, so you should listen to them. That's my view. And I mean, but yeah. then again, you, you say that. I mean, well, I suppose Norris and Turkey was the exact same thing flipped. Namely, he, well, I suppose the same thing really. He didn't want to pit for wet tires, so he ignored the team and lost. And Allenton didn't want to pit for wet tires, so well, entered. And so he stayed out and lost place. Yeah, basically, I just don't understand why they don't listen to the team, to be honest with you. James Vales probably has a handsome salary, and I'm sure he's very intelligent now. Why don't you just listen to him? Why does he have to... Yeah,
0: but I guess they don't have the feel that the drivers do, and they don't have a sense of the four conditions. They can have all the stats and numbers in front of them, but that doesn't mean it's going to be proved completely correct in the hands of this driver. And that driver probably understands his limits better than the team does. Um, and that's why it's difficult because you have to get driver and team in perfect harmony on these decisions. And yeah. even the best of teams well, like Mercedes, who have the most efficient organization from one has seen for in decades, even get it wrong often, as we saw in Turkey.
1: I mean, yeah, I suppose it depends. If if it was a Ferrari jar, I could understand it given you know the level of strategy calls is keep what behind, be one. <laughs> which is not exactly great strategy. But I don't know. It's not easy. I probably would have... I mean, on the F1 games, we've made that exact error several yeah. times in the past. So it's, yeah. it's a bit rich to criticise. You can see why you'd want to stay out. But mm. there you go. Yeah, the,
0: moving on, the final element of the
1: race was that
0: despite it being a wet wet start and, uh, and the rain did not dry away at all, it was not a classic at all. Yeah. Um, at times, it was, it was like a session. It was by no means boring, but it was not perhaps Turkey last year or some other races in the rain. And I suppose people are asking why. like Why wouldn't it have been a more classic race given how treacherous the conditions were?
1: Well, somehow nobody retired. I think that was the big problem. There yes. wasn't a safety car. Yeah. There was no... Hugely impressive. And, and I think I saw the on the WTF1 inside Special Reactions video, the caption was, it needed to dry, and that basically sums it up. It needed to dry. A wet race is no f- well. It can be fun, but it's not, it's less fun if it doesn't dry at some point in yeah. the race.
0: Changeable conditions—that's what Russia showed. Most of it was exactly. dry. Yeah, it was a better race.
1: Directly. Changeable
0: conditions throws uncertainty and chaos, which yeah. challenges everyone. ultimately, that yeah. means the order of order is like a change of the order is likely. Yeah. Um, not to say that fully wet races can't be interesting. Um, no, but not, you need not. uncertainty and change.
1: I think this and was also didn't a get much of that. particularly bad example of n- not having changeable circumstances because even though every other variable, like they said on commentary, even though every other variable changed, tyres changed, fuel load changed, weather changed, track conditions changed, they were still lapping at the same pace. So clearly everything changed sort of in harmony so that <laughs> as the tyres got worse, the, the, so... Yeah. And th- that was perhaps why nobody crashed because it was very, for a wet race, the conditions were essentially stable when you just yeah. bear in mind all the variables. I don't know. And they're all in but equal, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, they were in equal. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. So let's be on the race of qualifying. Um, so I think probably the biggest talking point of qualifying in general pace of the weekend was that Mercedes were possibly the furthest ahead they have been of Red Bull the entire season. And um, mm. there were several attempts ahead in practice and in qualifying the same. And Verstappen never really looked on for pole at any point in the weekend. Mm. Um, and therefore, PT's start was probably the best he could do um, because yeah. Mercedes suddenly stepped it up out of nowhere.
1: Mm. Yes, well, Christian Norman is not very happy about that, is he saying? Of yeah, maybe. But um, yes, that was striking, I think. Um, I mean, I think. It's been difficult to tell since the summer break who's had the fastest car because pretty much every race has been some disruption. I was thinking before, Hungary was the first race after summer break, if I remember right, and um, Verstappen's, both Verstappen and Hamilton's second running qualifying was disrupted because slow traffic and supposedly Hamilton slowing Verstappen down. Belgium, well, a bit of a write-off, and it was, it was in the wet. Uh, Monza was a spring Crash. qualifying. And the crash, obviously, but Monza was sprint qualifying, so it makes it slightly different, and they hit each other. Um, Russia was wet, again. Mm. Um, And then, so Turkey is perhaps, because qualifying was dry, wasn't it? Mm. Turkey is perhaps the first proper example of what their relative pace is. And yes, Mercedes did seem to have the, the advantage, which... I mean, I don't know whether Turkey is a particularly Mercedes-y track. It doesn't seem like it to me, particularly. Um, I think, but yeah, because but I, was, I was looking at a breakdown of the different sort of tracks and which team they'll um, be most, best for in the rainy season, the rest of the season. And it is pretty evenly split. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think of Turkey Turkey's particularly mercedes track. So it does seem like they have a genuine pace advantage, um, which, if you're a fan of the closed championship, may be a slightly disturbing trend.
0: Yeah, but then it is worth noting that it has swan. It's not been like yeah, that's true. The first half of the, race of the season we've had, it's always been there with that attempt for each other. Now Mercedes for a gap, it has sort of swan. And Red Bull having a few temps, to Mercedes having a few temps. And now we're back to Mercedes again, and they've had that for maybe a few races. Yeah. It is obviously very problematic for Verstappen with a very very small gap in the championship. If they can't bring that pace performance back and Hamilton has already taken his penalty, and he's unlikely to need any more. Again, he's going to have to use all of his uh, driving performance to be able to win, which he will anyway, but it might be even harder if Mercedes have a slightly faster car particularly in qualifying. Um, of course, there are, as we'll talk about in a second, there are tracks still to go, or one track, and in fact, two tracks to go, but an F1 car has never been around. So it's quite hard to tell who will be fastest at, say, Saudi Arabia or Qatar. Um, mm. which will throw it up in the mix and make it a lot more interesting.
1: In fact, it reminds me a bit of uh, around Portimao whilst <laughs> time because Red Bull were quicker at Balrain and then by Portimao Mercedes looked a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you think there was the run from France, Austria's Silverstone where Red Bull looked a lot quicker. So it has, it has yeah, it has swung, and perhaps it will swing again.
0: Yeah, yeah. and the other po- point about qualifying was was some individual performances in the top 10 that were very strong um, made even better by the fact hamilton took that penalty so for example uh, the claire who had very strong friday pace managed to put it on p3 after hamilton's penalty after science helped him get through to q3 by mm. giving him a very very strong slipstream gasly was excellent as ever flying up p4 in that Alpha Tauri, which is obviously a strong car, but it is by no means a P4 kind of car. Mm. And Alonso called out its best qualifying of the year, started P5. And those three yeah. have actually been possibly the best drivers of the midfield um, if you exclude mm. Norris, um, And then Sainz. Yeah. yeah. But that, it was all very strong from them.
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I'd agree. It was a another... I mean, Gasly always needs to perform well in qualifying, so there's another good Gasly performance from Gasly. Um, and I was actually impressed by Tsunoda. I was glad Tsunoda made it into Q3 uh, mm. in, in Turkey. That was um, better from him, especially yeah. in difficult good, Well, I'm trying to remember what happened to him in the race, because he ended up quite a long way out of the points, but I can't remember. I
0: think he had a bad first lap.
1: Yeah. Uh, just I
0: don't think he might have spun.
1: Yeah, because he definitely yeah. spun in qualifying, didn't he? Which yeah. was classic uh, scenario but, um, yeah, mm. you know, but uh, yeah it was it was definitely a strong performance from Gasly Alonso and yeah
0: uh, I mean Gasly is, is just has that team on his back he is mm. the, the reason they are ahead of Aston Martin is Pierre Gasly
1: yeah it's that simple exactly um, I mean and he, 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 he surely is will end up underrated. in a big car at some point He's I wonder if, I wonder if he'll get the Mercedes seat uh, when Hamilton retires I don't know hmm
0: they're not candidates be candidates
1: for that scene. Yeah, exactly. They're and I think even, well it depends. Yeah, I mean, or that might be a midfield team. Who knows?
0: Yeah, all that for Stappen for that. Who knows? Um well, that's true. Finally, uh, we have there was some news um around the time of the Grand Prix, which was they announced, as I mentioned before, um, a new race for the calendar near the end should be <laughs> Qatar. Um there's a track they have there, which I think Motor GP have used before, never been used by F1. Um, so it's a totally new uh, event. No, it, it is completely un- unpredictable what will happen there, um, but there've been a lot of debate about it. So do you think it was a good move, a good announcement or not?
1: I mean, ethically speaking, it's not exactly a great move, um, yeah. but also not unheard of the Formula One. Um, yeah, I and mean, yeah. obviously there's a lot of memes online about the Wii race as one. Not yeah. really a thing anymore. they a bit of a mocker of it. I mean, the track itself, to be honest, doesn't look that great, if you ask me. Um, but from the blind position of a Formula One fan, completely blinkers to questions of morality and ethics, it's another race. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it's um, exactly a great testament to F one's uh, moral compass, perhaps.
0: Yeah, I feel like a Newcastle fan out of Saudi Arabia. What my club, yeah. you know, you you know, it's bad, but it helps. You you, you like it somehow. It's it's you want more. So yeah, yeah. Um, well, this washing uh, does work, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the best comment I saw about it was uh, somebody joked, was "The drivers are going to have severe neck pain from turning left all the time because there are no rights in Qatar." Um, which summed yeah, up, really. I think summed it up really. I I, I think possibly the most hollow bit about the We races mum one message is uh, where they where the, the drivers whether um, the show goes like it has 23 nations it goes to and a quarter of them are oppressive nations
1: exactly they it just happen to have very they wealthy have that they have for the money rules. and yeah, exactly. that's it
0: um, yeah yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, if it's a bad track, everyone will say, because exactly, it's got bad right, it should go. of it. but as soon yeah. as it's a good track, yeah. uh, it will say, oh, it should stay, of course
1: it should. Exactly. Nobody. Um, yeah, people will complain if Bahrain was dropped off or, you know, um, I mean, if Saudi Arabia turns out to be an absolutely fantastic circuit, people, yeah, it's, yeah. you're right. But that yeah. is something for One should just not be putting itself in a position to do it. See I Bahrain. mean,
0: while we don't have Nürburgring or Hockenheim, on the calendar, and there are plenty of other tracks you could mention, like that, or Magello, or something like that. <laughs> there is no excuse, frankly, because I, I like every F1 fan, any every true F1 fan, would rather go to Hoppenheim or Nurburgring or Jello than Jeddah yeah. or Guitar. Yeah. I think that's indisputable. All right, finally, we'll end with our segment at the end, which is where we talk about a driver impressed or unimpressed. I'll go first. Um, my driver who impressed the most was perhaps didn't get as big a spotlight as we could for the moment so far was uh, Mick Schumacher, because um, he obviously has a, had a shocking car that is as uncompetitive as uncompetitive can be. Often they're seconds behind the leaders. Um, they are in a race of their own. They're always 19 to 20, if unless there's a chaotic race. And he managed to get that car out of Q1, beating. Uh, Alphas Williams and that kind of thing. Um, and if he he could have he could have got a really good Q2 position, but his Q2 runs were disrupted. And then he got to the race, and then Alonso punted him. So we could have seen a historic weekend from him if he had more luck. Um, but I think if he put some more points like that, he will certainly justify a move to a more more competitive team, um, which I think will happen.
1: Yeah, I don't know which team will be in yeah, this has of the hass master plan. Mm, um, yeah, the master plan. It turns out to make them a midfield team again next season. But yes, I agree. I was impressed. His goal performance was especially good, especially compared to Timo. Eh? I was going to choose uh, Perez because, um, well, perhaps a bit of an obvious choice, but I just think it's striking that this is his first podium since France which I think was a really amazing stat because you think how many disruptions to the other, you know, if you take basically there are four cars who are good, should be on the podium if they finish a race, to mercedes two Rebels, you think how many disruptions there have been to those four cars in the last race since France. You know, yeah. Verstappen's DNF twice, Hamilton's DNF twice, um, you know, Verstappen got punted off in Hungary, Bottas has taken at least, I think, two engine penalties, Hamilton's taken an engine penalty, Verstappen's taken an engine penalty. To not have got a podium until now is not great for Perez. I mean, he he has gone a bit under the radar, but he has not been performing well. But, that all being said, he was very good in Turkey. Um, From the Red Bull perspective, you know, the way he held up Hamilton extremely aggressively um, in the final sector was very impressive and also very important. Yeah. um, I think, in the context of the race, and possibly the championship. Uh, And then, yeah, he ends up on podium. I thought he he drove very well and showed the sort of, I mean, the classic Checo thing of you know, making overtakes, not qualifying all that well, but always climbing up through the field. And he, he definitely did that well uh, in Turkey. So hopefully, if you're, you know, from Red Bull's perspective, he's going to, that's <laughs> going to be a, um, it's going to become a trend that he's going to start performing. But that has yeah. been his problem in consistency.
0: Yeah, I feel like that, that race is why Red Bull hired him again for another year. Yeah. Uh, if if uh, whoever needed to show a race to their future number two driver to Max Verstappen, basically saying, please do this, it would be that one. getting yeah. in the podium and uh, stop stopping Lewis Hamilton and getting one one. Secure the number one driver to get more points over Hamilton. That was exactly. the brief completely, and he did it. Um, and it's why Albon didn't get the job, was he didn't do that enough. And it's yeah. why Perez has been at risk, because he hasn't done it enough. Yeah, um, but he—he, I think he could step it up because he is supremely talented, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. To be honest, even given yeah. the how hard being the number two is at Red Bull. Yeah. All right, that's it for us then. That's our time. So thank you for listening, and uh, goodbye. Bye.